it took 73 years for Charles to become King of England. Talk about waiting a long time for your destiny. He acceded to the British throne just a couple of months ago at a time of extreme economic turmoil. People don't have high expectations for the new king to be able to solve their problems. But did you know that a boy who became king at the age of eight may have uncovered the secret that could save a nation? Join me in the economic war room where we will share the boy king's secret that could save America. On this program, we've gone into great detail explaining the economic war facing our nation and our families. We focus on solutions. We've explained that there are multiple wars underway. Three economic wars, in fact. Number one, we talk about it all the time, the foreign war, which is against China and the axis of evil. Number two, we talk about the domestic war, which is funny because it's really about globalists and the elitists and the World Economic Forum, and they want to subjugate you. The third war is the hardest to win, but it is the most important. It'll be the focus of this episode, literally the hope of the U.S. Our American future hinges on winning this war. And as mentioned earlier, the secret uncovered by the boy king over 2,600 years ago tells us how. Now, the foreign war is obvious, but it's not been always so obvious. In fact, when I was working in the Pentagon 2008 through 10 as a consultant, uh, they told me that China is our friend, they're our banker, they're more Christian, they're more capitalist than we are. I knew better. In fact, I spoke at the Heritage Foundation, pointed out Chinese unrestricted warfare. Somebody walked up to me, handed me a card, said, China studies professor at Georgetown. I looked at it and I said, you're PLA, aren't you? Yes. Yes, she was. Now, we're uncovering spies daily. Senator Feinstein had a driver who would take her back and forth. Chinese spy. Hunter Biden's secretary, who urged his father, Joe Biden, to run for president, may have ties to the Chinese Communist Party. And Congressman Swalwell's relationship with Fang Fang, a suspected Chinese operative. These aren't minor details, and they're not limited to politics. We have corporate espionage. We have financial market manipulation, including accessing our capital to pay for their weapons development. They've gotten special favors. They've stolen intellectual property. They've, they've influenced our border policy through the cartels and their drugs, fentanyl. China has grown from one-tenth the size of the American economy in 1999. Basically, they were the size of Italy's economy to the second largest in the world, and some say are rivaling the American economy. And they unleashed the greatest economic weapon in history, COVID. It was unleashed on the world. If it wasn't designed as a bioweapon, it certainly functioned as one. Now, there's a new Senate report out that does suggest that this may have leaked from a lab. Regardless of where it came from, it's caused incalculable damage. It's caused damage to our health. It's divided America. Remember the BLM riots in the middle? And China funded a lot of that. Remember the economic shutdown? It's caused government debt, inflation. And it's not just China, Russia, Iran, North Korea. And they've been courting allies like India and Saudi Arabia. They've created division by the war in Ukraine. And one of their major targets is American dollar hegemony. That means the American dollar, which is the prominent currency of the world, they want to end that. 
And you know what? We're making it easy for them. We have $31 trillion in debt now. You know, in 2008, when I first started consulting on economic warfare, our debt was just $10 trillion. It's up dramatically. Last year, the total interest we paid on our debt was just $378 billion, just. But that was 1.3% interest rates. You know, interest rates are now approaching 5% at $31 trillion in debt. That's approximately a trillion and a half dollars we pay in interest only. What if interest rates went to 10%? We'd pay $3 trillion. That's almost all the tax receipts we take in. The goal is to end American economic power and replace the U.S. dollar with a central bank digital currency known as the digital yuan. Now, the domestic enemy, equally insidious, they want to replace American exceptionalism and individual liberty with a globalist technocracy. This is the dream of the elites for decades. It was warned about in the novel 1984, in the novel Brave New World, and even President Eisenhower in his farewell address warned us. Now I got a quote from the American Association for the Advancement of Science. In his 1961 address, the president famously warned of the danger to the nation of a growing armaments industry. He referred to it as the military industrial complex. He included a few sentences about risks posed by a scientific technological elite. He noted the technological revolution of previous decades had been fed by more costly and centralized research sponsored by the federal government. He said, today, the solitary inventor, tinkerer in his shop has been overshadowed by task forces of scientists in laboratories and testing fields. Partly because of the huge costs involved, a government contract becomes virtually a substitute for intellectual curiosity. While continuing to respect diversity in scientific research, he said, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite. Those words were uttered over 60 years ago, eerily foreshadowing the rise of Google, Facebook, Amazon, and Fauci not to mention the World Economic Forum. We've extensively documented the risks of debanking, canceling, losing your job, being shunned from society if you disagree on things such as health policy, gender, sexuality. This is domestic economic warfare. It can take the form of ESG investing. It can break down national barriers. It could result in the end of the use of fossil fuels and control what you're allowed to own and even what you're allowed to eat. The worst part is that you're expected to fund all of this, first with taxes, but also your investments, your spending, and your charitable donations. But it's not what people want. Like the foreign threat, the ultimate goal is money control, CBDC, Biden bucks, a digital dollar. Sometimes the foreign threats work together with the domestic threats. Sometimes they're at odds, but they're always against you. Why? Because you're the only one who can defeat them. That is what you can learn from the 26-year-old secret from the Boy King. Now, we're going to need to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the Boy King's secrets, the third economic war, and how we can win all three if we do the one most important thing. Let's take a break. The far left understands that if you get power, you get money. Now, the, those of us on the right... We seem to want to get money and hope that we can buy power after we get it. But by the time we get the money, we learn we don't own it. It owns us. And then we become afraid of losing it. We start to plan for the future. This has happened over and over again. I've seen billionaires and millionaires who worried their work their whole life to make as much money as they could. And they thought, well, as soon as I get money, I'll do good with it. 
and they get it, and then all of a sudden they start planning, how do we keep from losing it? Where do we bury it? Where do we put it? How can we use it so that my kids are taken care of and my grandkids are taken care of? That's a good thing. The Bible says that the wealth of, uh, of the godly is laid up for their children and their grandchildren. That's a good thing. But the problem is we begin to put our trust in uncertain riches. Jesus warned us in Matthew 6, 19. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. And I guess the modern term, and hackers can break in and hack, or inflation can erode, or you can put it in a bad venture. Don't do that. Instead, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and rust don't destroy and thieves don't break in and steal. Now, the problem isn't having money. The problem is money having you. That's what makes economic warfare effective. You know, our founders, they, they were willing to sacrifice their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor. They had a right attitude. They said liberty is more important. And their attitude about money was that really, it's not that important if you don't have liberty. Now, having a right attitude about money is the first and most important step in winning the economic war. This is the third war. We talked about the foreign war, the domestic war, but the third war is the most important. It's the economic war of the heart. I want to share with you a biblical secret. We say it all the time here in the economic war room. It's found in Luke 16, 11. Jesus said, if you aren't faithful with your unrighteous mammon, who will ever trust you with true riches? Stop, pause, think on that. Let me repeat it. If you aren't faithful with your unrighteous money, no one's ever going to trust you with true riches. You know, in Luke 16, 10, the verse immediately before that, Jesus said, if you're faithful in the small things, I'll set you over greater things. Then he said, if you're not faithful with your unrighteous money, no one's ever going to trust you with true riches, meaning money should be a small thing. It's not the end all and be all. Now, money's not evil, but it should be a small thing. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, and it's misquoted all the time, the actual verse is, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. Two things to note. It's the love of money that's the problem, not money itself. And it's not the root of every evil. There's evil that happens in this world that has nothing to do with money, but it's the root of all sorts of evils. Now, what we suggest is that you treat money as a tool. If you have a rake or a shovel, they're just tools. You don't love them. A pipe wrench or pliers, a telephone. Okay, maybe you love your iPhone, but you shouldn't. The point is this. Things can be useful and money is useful. It's not just dirty green pieces of paper, but it can get in the way of winning the economic war. This is where the boy king from 2,600 years ago provides the secret. It's hidden in the Bible. It jumped out to me in my daily Bible reading. 2 Chronicles chapter 34. And I want to read to you from verse 1. It says, Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Now his daddy was King Amon, but he did evil in the sight of the Lord, and his servants killed him. His grandfather was Manasseh, who also did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abomination of the nations. And according to the Bible, Manasseh did eventually repent, but his son was already lost by that point. Josiah's great-grandfather was Hezekiah. Now he was a great king. 2 Chronicles 29 says that Hezekiah did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to that which his father David had done. 
He cleaned up the temple. He followed God. And God prospered Hezekiah greatly. In chapter 32, verse 27, it says, Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. And he made for himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and all kinds of desirable items. This is the same Hezekiah in chapter 31 who ordered the tithes to be laid up into heaps. What he did was accumulate wealth, and he heaped it up in the temple. And that's where things went off track. Let me read from chapter 31, verses 10 and 11. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we've had enough to eat and have plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people and was left in this great abundance. Now Hezekiah commanded them to prepare rooms in the house of the Lord, and they prepared them. Then they faithfully brought in the offerings, the tithes, and the dedicated things. Do you see it? It is the act of storing up wealth in the temple. Believe it or not, that was the trap that ensnared Hezekiah's son Manasseh and grandson Amon. That is actually a story of Schumpeterian economics. I studied this in college. Joseph Alois Schumpeter is a German economist. He died in 1950, born uh, in 1883. He basically taught... Uh, and he studied at Harvard, by the way. He basically taught the concept of economic creative destruction. We need to cover that more in the economic war room because Schumpeter predicted the rise of socialism through corporatism and that it would happen through liberal capitalism and the destruction of entrepreneurs. He talked about economic cycles. He talked about entrepreneurs and the next generation and the next generation. You see, the entrepreneur works hard, makes a lot of money, knows the value of making it, but realizes it's not the end in itself. He wants to do good things with it. Second generation sees the um, entrepreneur, father or mother, having worked so hard and built it up. And so they still have a respect for it, but they also have a dependence on money and not on their own hard work ingenuity. The kids, they, they get it, but the grandkids, they don't get it at all. They have money. They don't need God. They don't need hard work. They're privileged. They, they know that they're smarter than everything, everybody else. They think it's all about them. Now, that is exactly what happened with Hezekiah's family. They had money. And just like the rich fool that Jesus spoke of in Luke chapter 12, they depended on their wealth. They were going to tear down their storehouses and build bigger storehouses, so to speak. And that is the sin of America. We have prospered beyond imagination. The founders were willing to sacrifice anything for liberty. And the greatest generations coming out of the Depression fought in World War II. But now we're so dependent on money we can be led by the nose. We're more worried that our value of our 401k might fall than if we upset the Chinese. We're told by our masters that we could be taken off social media. We might lose our bank account. We become so dependent on our wealth that we've forgotten the meaning of true liberty. That's why we call this the economic war of the heart. This is where we are in America. This is the sin. Now, we need to take another break. When we come back, we're going to learn how the boy King Josiah uncovered a secret that saved his nation 2,600 years ago and how it can save America today. Jesus told us that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's profound. Here's the problem. Is your treasure in your bank account, your stock market, your 401k? This explains why economic warfare is so effective because where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. And therefore... Anything that attacks our treasure can attack our heart. There's good news, though. Boy King Josiah discovered a secret that can work today to restore America. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to the Bible. 
At age 16, in the eighth year of his reign, he began to seek God. He tore down false worship. That was important and powerful. But in the 18th year of his reign, he decided to restore the true worship of God and rebuild the temple. It had basically become a vault for the kingdom's wealth. It's where his daddy and his granddaddy had stored up their money. They treated it almost like a bank, so they didn't trust God. They trusted the money in the temple. Now let me read, starting at verse 9 in 2 Chronicles chapter 34. When they came to Hilkiah the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites who kept the door. Stop. When they came to Hilkiah the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of the God. The money was brought in in Hezekiah, the great-grandfather of, of Josiah, and the Levites were basically being treated as bankers. They'd become bankers. Now let me keep going. I'll start in verse 10. Then they put into the hand of the foreman who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they gave it to the workmen who worked in the house of the Lord to repair and restore the house. They gave it to the craftsmen and builders to buy hewn stone and timber for beans, and the men did work faithfully. What did they put into the hand of the foreman? The money that had been brought into the temple. In other words, they got the money out of the bank and got it started moving into the economy. This is so important. Here in verse 14, it says the key phrase, now when they brought out the money that had been brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. The money that had been brought into the house of the Lord was from Hezekiah. It was a trust fund that his son and his grandson depended on and it screwed them up. But when they put the money to work, they actually uncovered true riches. And that is the word of God. Verse 17, and they have gathered the money that was brought into the house of the Lord and they've delivered it into the hand of the overseers and the workmen. That's the key right there. Then Shaphan the scribe in verse 18 says, Shaphan the scribe said, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book and Shaphan read it before the king. Thus it happened when the king heard the words of the law that he tore his clothes at that moment, Josiah won the economic war of the heart. He realized it wasn't about money. It was money covering up the true riches. True riches are never money. It's the word of God that he found. And God responded in verse 26, Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and you humbled yourself before me and you tore your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place and its inhabitants. This is the king's secret, the boy king's secret. He got the money out of the way and he found true riches. It's exactly what Jesus talked about. He said, if you're not faithful with your unrighteous mammon, you will not be trusted with true riches. Josiah was faithful. He got the money moving. And when he did so, he uncovered the word of God that led to repentance and the salvation of his nation. We say it all the time. Weaponize your money, your giving, your spending, investing. Don't just store it up as if it has value in itself. Money is only valuable if you use it. Josiah put the money into the hands of the workmen for a godly purpose. That's in verse 17. In ec economics, the concept of velocity of money is 
that an economy dies if money is not moving. If you have no velocity, if it's just stagnant, the economy collapses. Jesus told the parable of the talents in Luke chapter 19. He said, three servants were given money. Two put money to work and were rewarded. The third buried the money and was punished for being wicked and lazy. Their sin was twofold, trusting in uncertain riches instead of God and fearfully storing up treasure rather than getting it moving. It's a sin to not pay laborers. That's explained in James chapter 5, the book of James. He's writing to Christians. He says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for your miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire because you have heaped up treasure in the last days. Notice the language, how it ties into the idea of don't store up treasure here on earth where moth and rust destroy. It goes on in James and says, Indeed, the wages of laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out, and the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord. You have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. I could go on and on with biblical truth straight from Scripture that explains the economic war of the heart. That's what was going on in James. That's what was going on in Josiah's time. That's what Jesus warned us about. Money is not the answer. But having a right heart about money may well be the answer. That's why we call it the economic war of the heart. If we're going to win this war of the heart, we must do three things. Number one, we've got to stop seeing money as treasure. It's a tool. And in an economic war, it's a weapon. We're trying to get you to think about money in a brand new way. Well, it's not a new way. It's really the way God intended at the beginning. So don't think of money necessarily as something you just keep and heap in your bank account, drawing on it when you need. It is not your source of supply. And you also need to think about it in a new way here. We talk about the digital Texan. That is Article 1, Section 10 money from the Constitution that is a means of transmitting using gold and silver and making it functional and useful in an economy. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and watch our episode on the digital Texan. It is a powerful alternative that we're giving to a monetary system that's grown corrupted. That's the first thing. Stop seeing money as a treasure. Number two, get your money moving. Give it, spend it, invest it. We've talked about 10 different solutions on the economic forum of ways that we can get your money moving and things that will rebuild liberty, that will rebuild justice, that will bring back prosperity to the nation. So we've got to, number two, get our money moving. And number three, and this may be the, your action step for, for this episode, is get help. Get an NSIC advisor, National Security Investment Consultant Advisor. If we're going to win the economic war, we're going to need good counsel and good advisors. That's why we're training financial planners, stockbrokers, CPAs, insurance agents at Liberty University online. They can learn more at NSIC.org. We will train a financial advisor to help you win the economic war of the heart and then the economic domestic war and then the foreign war. This is our opportunity to make a huge difference. Now, everything that we've talked about will be summarized in this week's free economic battle plan. I want you to go to economicwarroom.com and sign up to get the free economic battle plan. You'll learn about the economic war of the heart. You'll find out how to get your financial advisor on the same page 
or how to go about finding a new advisor. You'll learn how to weaponize your giving, your spending, and your investing to save America. The boy king uncovered this secret 2,600 years ago. Now it's up to us to use it to save America. We talk about the small ships. You, as an individual, can make a huge difference if we all work together like the small ships of Dunkirk. This is our opportunity. Remember, what we see as a marketplace, our enemies view as a battle space. And we're in one now. This is Kevin Freeman from the Economic War Room urging you to win the economic war of the heart.